This is Time Signatures with Jim Irvin, a podcast and radio program presented by the Capital Area Blues Society in Lansing, Michigan. Most any contemporary musical style can trace its roots back to the blues. Time Signatures explores the blues and its musical connections with captivating interviews, lively discussions, and news from the world of the blues. And now, here he is, your host, Jim Irvin. Hey, thank you so much, Parker. Glad to have you along, everybody. My name is Jim Irvin, and this is Time Signatures. My guest this time around on Time Signatures truly is among one of the greatest blues musicians of all time. He is the youngest of nine, count them, nine siblings. He was exposed to the guitar by his one and only sister, Clara, many years ago, as well as the three kings of the blues, B.B., Albert, and Freddie. His first release, Ambition, came out in 1990 to critical acclaim, but as they say, he was just getting warmed up. More than three decades later, he continues on. He just released his newest CD, Blues Without You, and this is a different body of work, however, and we're going to talk more about that because he teamed up with famed bluesman Joe Bonamassa. Now, if you're a follower of this blues shouter from Arkansas, you already know who he is. Larry McRae, welcome to Time Signatures, my friend. Thank you so much, my Jim. It is so good to have you on. And as you know, I've been I've been wanting to have you as a guest here for some time, but we are glad to have you aboard. So let's dive right in, Larry. I have to hear the story of Clara's introduction to you uh, to the guitar because you had your sights set on another instrument originally, didn't you? <laughs> yes, I did. I, I I really love saxophone music, and I gave that a shot in my early years too, from junior high through high school. Okay. Now, what were your earliest memories of music as you were growing up? Did you have any favorite tunes in those formative years? Oh, most definitely I did. Well, you know, I come from a small town in Arkansas called Smackover. Okay. If that gives me any indication of <laughs> the type of place that I come from, you know, it was very rural, very unsettled. You know, uh, we, were, we were just uh, people that, you know, it's a lot of people live like that in that state back in the early 60s. You know, that mm-hmm. was pretty. We were just like a whole lot of other people right. that were there. But with that being said, you know, you didn't have a whole lot of choices about anything. I mean, you know, there was a protocol and a way to live. And if you try to rebuff that or try to go a different way, you better know what you're doing or have <laughs> the means to do so. Right. As far as uh, what, the, what the music and the culture was like back in those days, you know, music was all one thing. But, you know, as time progressed, black music, as I knew it and grew up on it, became known as soul music mm-hmm. or either the blues. But, you know, back then we just we just called it music. It was good music or bad music. But, you know, as things developed, you started to get in a lot of cornholing and categorizing and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. music has evolved to what it is now. But some of my favorite music that I remember as a child, you know, I grew up on... Uh, a lot of soul music, all the soul artists were popular at that time, but you know, there was a still big appetite for blues music and artists like uh, Muddy Waters, Howlin' Wolf, oh, yeah. Fred McDowell, you know, was uh, from the old school or from the Delta style, but I listened to a lot of Freddie King, Alvin King, B.B. King, Guitar Slim, Albert Collins, you know, all mm. the current music that was going on that leaned to a more modern sound. 
Right. Now, you were born in uh, Arkansas, but you ended up here in the great state of Michigan. I'd love to hear the story. When did your family move up here, and what brought them here? Well, my mother come from a family of 18 siblings, and many of her siblings had preceded her to Michigan. I had probably six other aunties that lived in Michigan. Okay. And like I said, you know, being from the place and location that we come from, it was hard times and rough living. My people left there looking for a better solution. So having people already that had migrated to uh, the state of Michigan, I think my mother felt comfortable with coming here. And my brother James had already come here in 1962, and my sister Clara followed in 65. And they were already living here. So Clara would always come home every year or so, and she would bring her electric guitar with her, and she would entertain the family when she would come home, usually her and my dad together. This time when she came, she told my mother that she wanted to take me back for summer vacation to her place and let Larry come back Mm. with me, which I did. And I thought when I left, I would just be coming to visit and going back home when school started back. But by the time that it was time to go back to school, the plan had changed and she told my sister to keep me here and to put me in school. Wow. And her and the rest of the family came and joined me probably about eight months later. Man, that must have been cool <laughs> to, to get up well, here. And it, get... Was a, it was a big, big transition for a kid who had never been oh, yeah. <laughs> five miles away from home. <laughs> yeah. Larry, take yeah. take me back, if you will, uh, to, to coin a phrase from one of your songs, <laughs> uh-huh. uh, to that basement studio at your friend's home in Detroit. Now, what was going through your mind as you were laying the tracks down for that first CD? Well, you know, there was a whole lot of disbelief because I had been approached many times by then. I started playing out when my first gig was when I was 17. Okay. So from the time... I was 17 on up until, you know, I'm a grown man working in the shop by now. You know, by the time I got 27, eight, nine years old, you know, I had been quite a few places uh, regionally. You know, I, I played a lot of gigs locally and close around, you know, I played all the time. And, you know, several times you would meet people and say, hey, well, you you pretty good. Why you never did this and why you never did that? Well, I'm going to do this for you and I'll do this and I'll take you here and I'll take you there. And people would tell you things and they never would there never would be any follow-up on the end of the conversation. Okay. So that's pretty much what I thought it was going on with this particular gentleman that I had met at a musician's party where there was a big picnic for musicians down in somewhere on the west side of the state. I believe it was uh of the city, I believe it was Brighton, okay. uh, somewhere down in, in that area, Brighton, Nova, somewhere over there. But it was out in the rules, and it was a beautiful place and a beautiful party. And I met this gentleman, and he told me what all he was going to do and could do. And I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the first three times, I never I didn't show up. Oh. And then what made me show up is the last time when I didn't show up, he called me back again in a very urgent voice and a pleading voice. said, man, you're just going to F this thing up if you don't show up. And when he said it like that, you know, I took it a little bit more serious and I gave it a chance. And the rest, as they say, is history, right? It started right there. Yes, sir. (laughs) 
Larry, you yep, over on Mac, off of Mac Nichols and Press, Press Street there in Detroit. Oh man, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. So you've shared the stage with many of the greats in the blues, including BB King, Buddy Guy, Albert King, mm-hmm. Kenny Wayne Shepherd, Joe Walsh, and of course Joe Bonamassa, among others. Mm-hmm. Have you ever had a moment where you were just overwhelmed by the realization of what was going on in those moments? Well, of course. I mean, you know, um, in the early days, you know, I, I, I had played a lot of bars and stuff, but I'd never been on a big stage. And I went right from the bars to opening up shows for Gary Moore. And mm-hmm. at that time, I didn't really know who Gary Moore was, but oh, I found out in a hurry. And it just was uh, overwhelming to see that production and to see his professionalism and to hear all them dragons unleashed at one time. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Gary was uh, pretty overwhelming. And to, to add, add to that, Albert King and Albert Collins was his walk-on guest every night. Mm. So I got a chance to spend in my early years many different shows in close contact with all three of them. I remember a lot about our conversation. I remember a lot about the warm-ups in the dressing room before the gig. Sure. And it's just the memories that I cherish to the grave, myself personally, you know? I have to ask you, because I, I can only imagine standing on the stage with one of the three guys, that or actually two of the three guys that you grew up and idolized and, and loved in your early years, B.B. Uh, and Albert, right. that had to be something else, man, just standing there watching them command the stage, right? Dude, it took a long time before I really could uh, grasp the fact that I had met them and was in company of them and right. get a chance to play music with them. You know, I just I just couldn't couldn't bring myself to believe it until way on down the line, you know, when you come from a situation like me, I come from very humble beginning. Yes, sir. But also, it was embedded in me to keep your humility about whatever you do, but to be the best, be the strongest, be the toughest you can in everything what you do. But you don't vocalize it, you don't flaunt it, you don't say anything about it. You let it happen and let the people have their say about it, and you leave it right there. And that's the way I was taught. And with all those uh, different things going through my head, you know, I always had doubt, but sometimes I would feel assured. Sometimes I was happy. Sometimes I was, um, it, 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 was, it was a very mixed emotional time for me. It was very sure. hard to uh, put my hand on how I was feeling. I don't know. I got a chance to hang out with Pop Staples, man, mm. one time, and uh, I hung out with him all day long <laughs> because we did a TV program together in Europe. It was called the Jules Holland Show. Okay. And it's kind of like doing the Letterman Show here or something like that, except the fact that Jules was a, a musician himself. He was a accomplished piano player. And just to be on that set all day with Pop Staples, and to hear his Martin Luther King Jr. stories mm-hmm. and all the things that I lived through as a kid to talk to somebody who was part of that, that was very special also. And yeah. besides the fact that I love Mavis Staples and the Staples Singers and everything about their legacy, you know. Yeah. I have to step back just a half second here because you talked about the humble beginnings and keeping yourself in check. And I have to say that In all of the years that I've known of you 
in all of the years that I have known you personally, nobody Mm -hmm. has ever spoken an ill word about working with or sharing the stage with Larry McRae. In fact, quite the opposite has been said of your kindness, your humility, your unyielding work ethic. That's really quite a wonderful reputation that you built, my friend. Well, I I worked at it. (laughs) Yes, sir. I had, you know, everybody, um, we all feel the same emotions as human beings. And everybody can be angry. Everybody can be selfish. Everybody can do all of the wrong things as easy as we have the choice to do the right thing. But to make the right choice or to be steadfast, you know, um, it's tough sometimes. And it takes a lot of uh, being willing to compromise. And then sometimes you got to bite your tongue about a lot of things because if you address every issue, uh, every time something went wrong, you you went, that's all you would do is all and fight all the time. Mm-hmm. I try not to allow that uh, situation to have any kind of vehicle as far as I'm concerned. My guest is Larry McRae. You're listening to Time Signatures with Jim Irvin, and we are having a wonderful discussion we're going to approach a, a, a couple of subjects here. I think we're going to get some uh, some good answers out of Larry, having a, a great time talking. But I generally ask every musician that I've interviewed since the beginning of the program how the COVID pandemic affected their trajectory and their drive. And if I'm not mistaken, the height of COVID came to bear as you were working on your latest CD collaboration with Joe Bonamassa, correct? That's correct. And, uh, and the other thing, the uh, pandemic allowed me to have a break, something I hadn't had for 33 years. So right. it really saved my life because, um, you know, I was out there beating it all the time and never could uh, take a break to have a vacation or just take rest time. And, and it gave me the rest that I needed. I needed that rest, man. Right. Okay. And while we're talking about Joe, how did your project with him come to be? I would love to hear the the backstory. That must have been some conversation. It was. Um, I, I have a friend in uh, Auburn, Alabama. Okay. And his name is Steve Casseroni. And he used to always tell me all the time, he said, man, I heard one of your tunes on Joe's show. Joe said something good about you on the show. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. Joe, Joe, he would tell me about Joe all the time. I had met Joe, and I had seen Joe play a handful of times uh, in the earlier days. You know, it's just one of those things. I guess one reason that it took me so long is because I always believe that you got to stand up on your own two feet. You got to stand up on your own merit. Yes, and sir. it was hard uh, to for me to ask fellow musicians to for help or to put me in a better position because I know they was all out there fighting for themselves, you know? Mm-hmm. But uh, another thing, you know, Joe played to a very high level, a very accomplished guitar player. Yes, sir. And I'm more, um, I think I'm more original or more old school. And, you know, my style is more homemade than a lot of people. But uh, I never thought that he had the interest or never thought he would like my style of music. To my surprise, he told me that he had always admired what I did, and I was very flattered by the fact. And from that became an opportunity for you to work together, collaborate. Right. Well, oh, I, I got stuck right there. <laughs> Sorry about that. No, you're all right. But, uh, okay, I was telling you, and I said, Steve, I meant Paul, Paul Casaroni. Okay. But anyway, um, 
Paul had uh, got a number from a friend of his, Paul lived in Auburn, and so does uh, the guitarist uh, Larry Mitchell. And Larry is a, a high fusion. He played with uh, Ariana Grande. He played with uh, Tracy Chapman wow. and many other popular artists like that. He's well known. So Larry had Joe's number, and I text Joe. I said, Joe, this is uh, blues man Larry McRae. <laughs> and, um, you know, I let him know that uh, I admired what he did for my friend, Joanne Connor. And I left it that, you know, if there's any possibilities that the same opportunity would be there for me, it would be great. I would love to do it. And I got a text back in about 30 minutes. Wow. And so, you know, from that point on, we talked about it, but it was about a year down the road before we could actually get together. And, and looking back since the launch of the new album, which is Blues Without You, you've been one hell of a busy guy for the last 18 months or so, haven't you? I have been, and I, <laughs> I need you to be. I've been, I've been smiling about that. You know, I have I've went to see Buddy Guy, and one uh-huh. of the things that Buddy did during his uh, concert was he gave us a little education on the blues and how the blues was bigger in Europe, and it took off in Europe before it ever took off here. And I've noticed that uh-huh. a lot of the blues musicians do very, very well over there. Talk about that a little bit. What is what is the difference, in your opinion, between uh-huh. playing the blues here in the United States and going over to Europe? Well, honestly, we as Americans, we take a lot of our culture for granted, where mm-hmm. there's other places, other countries look at us as the leader in certain things, you know, things that are American, things that originated here. And most of the world do recognize that the blues music originated here in the United States. They say it's the only original music form from the U.S., you know, the blues started here. So people around the world, you know, that admire the blues, they look at the artists here and see who's popular here or who's doing things. And they kind of pattern themselves, uh, judge themselves accordingly. So therefore, if you get a chance to go there and have good performances, they recognize it and they really acknowledge it and make you feel appreciated. I think it's it's absolutely incredible. I mean, in, in the fact that you've been around the world, you've played performances all across the globe. Mm-hmm. Can you Can you look back at your body of work, at your career, is there one performance that stands out among all of the others? Oh, man. Well, I've I had a handful of what I thought were good performances for for me and the band. Okay. Um, got a chance to be part of the uh, Detroit Blues Festival back in, I believe it was 91 or somewhere along in there. And uh, Robin Trower was in the house that night, Robin Trower. Okay. And Johnny Bassett, and I thought that that performance that night was pretty good. I've had some other European uh, performances like in uh, Skopje and places like that that I thought was good. I really had a good time in South America, down in Argentina and Brazil. So some of those have been some of our um, better performances and some of my most uh, memorable performances. I, I have to ask you, uh, because things have changed so much over the last 25, 30 years, um, uh-huh. how has the internet and social media changed the music industry? And would you say it's better, worse, in the middle? 
Well, it, it made it a lot easier for someone that's unknown to be known. I mean, because anybody can uh, get on the internet and anybody can make a record nowadays. So in some ways it made it better, but in some ways it really saturated things and watered things down. So, you know, you, you really have to lean hard on your strength to uh, stay one of the ones that is being recognized. And, you know, if something gets really popular, a lot of time it don't have to be very good to be popular. But if it's popular, then you have to have compatible competition or something that's going to be noticed in amongst whatever's being popularized right now. It makes it, it, makes it tougher to, uh, to stand up, you know, because it broadens the spectrum a whole lot. So now instead of people having, when you got fewer choices, you know, strong product stands up and it's easier to sell and, and market a strong product. But when everything in the market is strong, you've divided the market now. And now, you know, maybe some things that would have been bigger don't get a chance to have the same amount of success. When you look back at things, I mean, to, to see how things have uh, evolved, especially over the last 10 years, and I can see where that would be an extra uh, an extra challenge. Would you say that it was more inspiration for you to to dig deeper into your into your blues? Exactly, that's what it did. It it it, it makes an individual define and refine themselves. Mm-hmm. I'm never very opinionated about my own music. I try to let other people express what they feel about it, but. In my opinion, you know, it makes it tougher to stand up. So it makes me uh, more conscious and make me strive to be better myself. So that's a good thing to keep you always striving to do your best and to do better even than your best. You know, speaking of uh, some of your music, you let people make their own decision. No more crying. Man, I got to tell you, I listened to it with fresh ears this weekend and um, my mom, I lost my mom a little over a year ago. And um, oh, I'm sorry. that song, it, it just spoke to me. And I um, mean, talk about hit you in the feels. <laughs> and, I, and I'm sure that you that wasn't. Go ahead. I'm sorry. It, no, no, no. I'm, I'm listening. I just was going to speak about this song go in ahead. terms of it's the, it's the truth. And it's something that I don't care who you are. What what uh, political viewpoint you have? Right. What religious uh, denomination that you are is something that unifies us all. None of us are above death itself, and that's so that. you know that's 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 the subject matter. When you speak the truth and something that everybody can relate with, it can be nothing but the truth. Yeah, that's truth. And that situation affects us all. We all lose our loved one. Yes. And sir. and to what? death that it affects us or how we express, you know, it's up to us as the individual, but it, it, it got to hit home, man. And I just, I just tried to tell the truth, you know? Yep. Well, Larry, we have gone through, believe it or not, almost the first episode here, but I would like to have you hang around if you would for a second round. Would you be willing to do that? I'm right here. I'm right here. Great. We're going to go ahead and wrap this one up. We want to thank everybody for being here. 
Thank you so much for joining us, Larry. We're so glad to have you here. Larry McRae, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to hear more about him, if you want to check out what he's got to offer, check out LarryMcRaeLive.com and also uh, Spotify. If you want to listen to his music before you buy, you can check it out there. You can buy uh, his music right there on the uh, website. You can check out the tour dates and everything else. But again, thank you so much for being with us. That's going to wrap up this edition of Time Signatures with Jim Irvin. We want to thank everybody for listening, and thank you so much for helping us keep the blues alive. This has been Time Signatures with Jim Irvin, presented by the Capital Area Blues Society in Lansing, Michigan. For more information on cabs, visit capitalareablues.org. You can find this episode and past episodes at lccconnect.org. The Time Signatures theme song, Michigan Roads, is used by permission and was written by Root Doctor, featuring Freddie Cunningham. Until next time, keep on keeping the blues alive.